Women aren't born warriors, we become them. And the road to becoming a warrior is bumpy as hell. Each week I'm interviewing women who through tragedy and triumph are leaping for greatness. Get ready to unleash your inner warrior. I'm Liz Swadek, and this is Conversations with Warrior Women. Our sponsor today is Claudine's Kitchen and Bake Shop in Encino. You guys know I love them. Guess what Claudine's is doing? They're doing Hanukkah dinners. 24-hour cooked brisket with mushroom and onion gravy, or horseradish-crusted salmon fillets, or maybe a salmon lox platter for Hanukkah? Yummy! You can also do a dessert gift box. You can deliver or ship to share at Claudine's Kitchen and Bake Shop. They also are doing sugar cookie favors for your little parties and Zooms. You can have those delivered too. Make it easy on yourself. Text 33733 and type the word Claudine for easy ordering. Guys, I mean, if you're not gonna order for that, you can just have maybe their baked apple French toast or their organic turkey and brie sandwich. I mean, it's endless. We love Claudine's Kitchen and Bake Shop in Encino. Welcome back, warrior women. If you're looking to be inspired today, you have come to the right place. Oh my gosh, my guest today has so much energy, so much joy and life inside of her. It's going to just literally uplift you. This is one of those podcasts that I'm going to be listening to over and over again for inspiration. We're going to talk about being self-made, self-made from the inside out. How can we be better? How can we get more for ourselves? How can we be more? How can we come into 2021 like a boss? We're going to talk about that today. But first, have you left us a positive review yet? Please do it. Please leave us a review and I will put you in to win in my little contest to win my fabulous leopard slippers. Okay, guys, on to our sponsor. Have you ever dreamed of having your own podcast? I did, and I launched it, but I couldn't have done it by myself. I worked with Becky Harrington. BH Marketing saved me. They helped me launch my dream podcast. They helped me develop it, brand it, record it, publish it, and even promote it. If you're curious about launching your own podcast, look no further than BH Marketing. That's bhmarketingfirm.com. And tell them that Liz sent you. Use code WARRIOR for your special discount. Today on the show, we have self-made media mogul, Nellie Galan. Nellie was the first Latina president of entertainment of Telemundo, is an Emmy award-winning producer of over 700 television shows in English and Spanish, including the hit reality series, The Swan for 20th Century Fox, and has launched over 10 television channels abroad for companies like HBO, ESPN, Fox, MGM, and Sony. Taking a mid-career sabbatical, Nellie completed her master's and doctorate in clinical psychology, where she decided to focus on the psychology of money in multicultural communities. She then authored the New York Times bestselling book, Self-Made, Becoming Empowered, Self-Reliant, and Rich in Every Way. Lord, do I need that, Nellie. We're going to talk about that today. About the revolution in women's entrepreneurship led by multicultural women in the U.S. and emerging women around the world. Nellie has founded the Adelante Movement, 
to empower and train multicultural women, both economically as well as entrepreneurially. Her digital platform, becomingselfmade.com, reaches over 500,000 women monthly and hosts content in financial literacy, self-made stories of women of color, and webinars. She has trained over 1 million women of color in entrepreneurship, in person, and online. Nellie teaches women and their families that if we all focus on becoming financially self-reliant, we can become self-made. Welcome to the show, Nellie. Hi there. So happy to be here with all of you. So important that we have this conversation in these times where we see how important it is to be financially self-reliant. And during a crisis, we learned that, right? I mean, we have never learned that more than now. We are, we are in the learning currently. Okay, Nellie. So I like to start at the beginning because I really got to, I got to get to know you, Nellie. What was your dream for yourself as a young girl, what did you want to be when you grew up? We have to remember that I'm an immigrant and that I came to this country when I was five years old. So the greatest crisis of my life happened when I was five, when my parents had to leave their country and we came with the shirts off our back. We had no money. My parents didn't speak English. So my life very early on was really about survival and helping my parents and listening to my parents say, Oh my God, why didn't we take money out of Cuba? Why did we think that things, we never thought things could go bad? All the things that we think about today, I was hearing since I was five years old. So I think for me, uh, as a kid growing up, I thought, wow, I wish I could be like a doctor. Something that no matter what happens in the world, they're always going to need a doctor. I sometimes think we forget that when we get told, follow your bliss and the money will come. And that's a very first world entitled point of view. People that come from countries where bad things have happened, and I think going forward after this pandemic, we're going to realize that not everyone gets to do what they really want to do. And a lot of people that have been through trauma pick something that they think is sensible or that they think is bulletproof in a horrible situation. So as a child, I wanted to be bulletproof because my parents weren't. My parents came here and their degrees were worth nothing. They had to start all over again working in factories. Not that they resented that because my parents loved this country and were just so grateful. But I knew from five years on that bad things happen to good people. Maybe that's why I'm so financially self-reliant. And I and I, I have been working on this self-made idea and brand my whole life because I had to make myself over, over and over again through crises, through the many crises of our lives. You know, when, when the whole pandemic thing happened, my son said, mom, this is the worst year ever. And I go, are you kidding? Life <laughs> is full of crises. There are crises that are force majeure, like a revolution in your country, like an earthquake, a flood, a fire, all things that have happened to me. And then there's crises that you bring on yourself, like a divorce, God forbid, a health problem, you know, uh, someone dies in your family. So life is full of crises. So if we don't learn that early and learn to deal and arrive at crises, with grace, it's very difficult to make it through life. I think that's a really important distinction you just made. When you're an immigrant kid coming here, you you may not be thinking of dreams and things. You're trying to be bulletproof, right? You're trying to survive and you're looking, thinking of your parents and their 
degree, they have degrees and they mean yeah. nothing. That's so, think about that, right? You've but worked in your country. You can't leave, when you leave your country overnight, and I've, you know, since I work with so many women from around the world, it happens to people from China, from Africa, from India, they come here and sometimes you come and I don't, you know, that's why, you know, I sent you that tape, that thing I did at HBO where I talk about the histories of other people in America. Yeah. Nobody talks about that. You come here, you don't get to go find your degree. You may not even have your paper. Like, you know, we don't, we don't even have the right paperwork when we come here because you leave in a rush. And then even if you had your degree from Havana, they're like, well, that doesn't, you know, you can't be a doctor in the United States when you have to take the doctor or whatever final exam was a teacher and she had a master's in education and in accounting. And they're like, you can't work in a school system unless you do your degree all over again. Mm. I mean, that's just insane to me. Tell me, how did your parents, what do you think the biggest lesson you learned from your parents was other than being bulletproof, but maybe you, maybe you came to that on your own. What do you think they, what, what do you think their biggest influence is on who you are now? I think they're, they are my total influence because my parents, like all immigrants, were so hardworking, so grateful to be in this country, taught me to be a patriot. We're just so committed to the American dream, so committed to the fact that this was the greatest country in the world. I know, and I know because I know immigrants in this country, that we are so in love with this country, even maybe more than Americans that sometimes take for granted all of the freedoms, all of the, the laws that have written, be, been written to give us all of the opportunities that we all have. I think that if I lived in Latin America, even if I was the kid of rich people, I could never be who I am because those countries don't allow women to be, you know, to do anything. You know, if I lived in, in, in an Arab nation, if I lived in Africa, if I lived in Russia, do you think I'd be me? I don't think so. So we take for granted as women and we, and look, it's great that in this company, country we complain and we want things to be better and we fight for our rights, but we don't get that even with all, all that's going on, we are in so much better shape than any other country in the world, period. And for women or for people that are gay, or for people that are transgender, or for people that are from other countries. I mean, do you know how immigrants and other people are treated in other countries? Right. So I think we forget that. And when you are an immigrant yourself, you have seen a worse life before. So you know that this is not that bad. Yeah. <laughs> Even when it's bad, the fact that we can fight with each other is good. It's a privilege. We can fight. Oh my God. So we have so many different points of view. In Italy, everybody's Italian. They kind of think, and then I go, remember that that's a privilege. Yeah, it is a privilege. Well, you talk about, there's a lot of crises in our lives. Like how do we kind of prepare? Like, you're right. If you really think about it, it's unrealistic to be like, oh, life's just beautiful. And no, there's a crisis around every damn corner. How do we, how do we, how do we, how do we deal with that, Nellie? Well, I'm going to tell you very specifically because this is something that I talk about a lot in my book. And when, I, when I've gone around the country the last four years after the book came out and I tell people what I'm about to tell you, I think they look at me like I'm insane. Oh, I can't even wait to hear whatever this and, is. And I'm going to tell you what it is. And now I think I'm, I don't look so insane. If you want to be bulletproof from any crisis, the number one thing you have to do 
is save two years of salary. Okay. At whatever level you're at. For some people, that's a lot. And for some people, it's less. Doesn't matter. You have to have two years of money put away. Why? Because you have to have one year to sustain you through any crisis if you don't make a penny. And one, the other second year, you're going to invest in something that you don't do for a living. So for instance, real estate, stock, a CD, uh, you know, selling on eBay, whatever it is, something that makes you money while you sleep. Because if you only have one track of income, you're screwed. Sooner or later, you're going to be screwed. I don't care if you're a doctor. I don't care if you're a lawyer. I don't care if you're a school teacher. I don't care if you're a bus driver. If something goes wrong, you have an accident, you get sick, you're screwed. Yeah, no, you're right. Shit. I mean, I think people are really learning the side hustle right now, but I mean, you're right. Like that, forget even this time, anything could happen. You're right. You could get sick. You get, you know, your kid could get sick. You could get a divorce. I mean, like things could happen. Your and, husband could die. I mean, there's a million things. Right. If you have one source, I mean, what are you going to do? So you have to have, and, and so people say to me, I can't live in New York or LA or San Francisco and save two years of salary. I go, well, why is everybody living in New York, LA and San Francisco? Because you have to look at that too. And I say this to young women, don't go to the obvious places. The, the American system is built on you going somewhere buying property cheap, holding it for 20 years. And in 20 years, you'll be a millionaire. There is a 20 year cycle to making money, right? So if you go, like if you come out of school and go get a job in Bentonville, Arkansas, which is my favorite city in America, (laughs) there's a ton of jobs where you can buy a house for under $100,000. Then when you're in 20 years, that house will be worth a million. That's just the way things appreciate, right? Yeah. And I think we don't realize, like, again, there's not enough financial literacy. We don't talk about this in school. Women don't talk about this with each other. We're financially illiterate. Yeah. And there is a financial system that this country is made of. If we don't know it, if we don't understand it, there is, it's like you're playing Monopoly, Monopoly and you don't know the rules of the game. You're, gonna, you're not going to win. Right. So I think with this whole crisis, it's become very clear. Like I now don't sound like a crazy person. No. And I've spent the last few months in the pandemic. I've done 82 webinars teaching women how to fill out the forms for the SBA. When I told them, people are like, what's the SBA? Okay. The SBA is you pay taxes and there is this organization, the Small Business Administration, that's been around since 1954. It doesn't matter if you're Republican or Democrat. It's nonpartisan. And it's here to help small business owners. Whether there's an earthquake, a fire, any kind of crisis, they they loan you money. Now, everybody found out now because the pandemic was for everybody, right? Yes. So women were like, what the hell? How do I fill out these forms? What do I do? What is this SBA? Is it the IRS? Are they going to come after me? We have got to take charge of our lives and our finances. We have to be more informed. We have to know what our taxes do for us. We have to save money. We have to take the money we save and half of it invest it. We have to pay off debt. We have to be prepared for the next crisis. And if we're not in this time out, 
you forgive yourself, but then you say, this will never happen to me again. Yes. And you take action. Yes. My God. Yes. Tell me about like the crises in your life. How have you overcome them? Is, is, do you use this financial strategy yourself? Like, or what else have oh you my done God. Yes. all this stuff? You know, as my son says to me all the time, he goes, mom, and he's right. He goes, mom, it's very difficult for, for a kid in school. If you're going to do gym class and you have an overweight gym teacher, because you feel like not inspired. And the reason I decided to do this is because where I am the most congruent, you know, we're not all, we don't all walk the walk of what we talk about, right? Yeah. I feel because I'm an immigrant, this was my most congruent space. I actually live my book. Yes. Every day I live my book. I save money. And sometimes even in the last four years when I've been teaching women all this, And I say in my book, if you try to save other people and you're not constantly saving yourself, you start becoming resentful because you're a wounded healer. Mm. And sometimes even for me, when I'm teaching people, I I would come home and I go, I'm feeling a little resentful. And I'm like, read your own book, chick. And I realize (laughs) I've got to go invest more money. I've got to go make more money. Because if I'm teaching you all this and I'm not walking the walk every day, I'm incongruent. And incongruence is what leads us to a lot of unhappiness because we know we're frauds then. Yeah. So yes, I walk the walk of everything I tell you. I mean, I entered this crisis this time, which is why I can give back to other women because I did it perfectly right this time. I was prepared. And when I saw what was happening, I was even more prepared. Any money I had invested in anything that was questionable, I popped it out because this is a time to be liquid, to have cash. You may not make money for two years. We may go into a depression, which sounds like the end of the world, but it isn't because people become wealthy in depressions if they save money. You know, that's the other, there's a silver lining to bad things, which is if those of us that have been good get to make a lot of money. You know, home, you know, uh, people default on homes, default on businesses that you can buy for cheap. So there is a silver lining to being prepared and to preparing this time for the next time, because don't worry, it'll come again. Yeah. Tell me, I mean, I think a lot of people are in fear, right? And, and yeah, you have a thing where you say, make failure your best friend. How the hell do we make failure our best friend, Nelly, and deal with our fear? Like well, a lot of us have fear about our financial peril. Like we're really like terrified. Like how do we, how do we- I will tell you, I will tell you. I think, first of all, when I say that, I don't mean that they're like, you should feel bad because you're afraid. I'm afraid every freaking day of my life. And so everybody Okay. join the club, okay? Okay. I'm afraid and I'm afraid of failure. And I go into doom, doom and gloom in the middle of the night, like everybody else. But I know that it's illogical. So I'm going to tell you how to get out of that. Okay. Number one, when you're in crisis, like right now, you need to read history. Immediately Google pandemics of the last century. Okay. You need to read history. You need to read whatever religious book you believe in, whether it's the Bible, the Quran, whatever. Because if you read the Bible, there have been many pandemics. There have been many floods. There has, you know, Noah's Ark, you know, all of many these things in that sport. Yeah. So we have lived, human, humankind 
has gone through the obstacle course of life for centuries and centuries and centuries. You're not the first one. Get over yourself. Okay. And guess what? Everybody makes it through. And in fact, if you read history, you'll know that after every horrible period, there is a renaissance. There is more money. You know, after the depression, there were the roaring 20s and everything was beautiful and there was money. Life is cyclical. So this is a time to really ground yourself in what is real because we tend to go, oh my God, the world is coming to an end. And you read all these conspiracy theories online and now we're in social media. I mean, everybody needs to see the, the documentary, The Social Dilemma on Netflix, which tells you- Yes, oh my goodness, yes. But the truth is, this has happened before. Everyone gets through it. I mean, some people die. Yes, that's life. Some people die. But as a, as, a, as a world, we will get through it. And there will be a light at the end of the tunnel. So you have to breathe and calm down. Just like when you, I mean, I can tell you this. I have had horrific failures. Uh, you know, in my personal life, I, you know, I, I, I've been divorced. I've had horrible, I mean, horrible tragedies in my personal life. And in my career, yeah, I've probably succeeded two or three times in a big way and failed a lot. You cannot succeed once or twice or three times without failing thousands of times. Yeah. So for you to think that everybody, when you see Beyonce on TV and all that, that's all BS. You don't know what these people, I always say, you know, when, when you're jealous of someone else, use them as your guiding light, because honestly, do you, you may think, why does she get this? Or You don't know what her cross to bear is. You don't know what came before and you don't know what's coming after. No, Did we know right. Kobe Bryant was going to die at 40? No, God. Okay, no. so would you trade your, you know, some, my, you know, would you trade your life for his or, you know, Oprah Winfrey's gotten all this stuff. Do we know what her childhood was? or what her end will be. Yeah. So we can't focus, like we almost have to be a horse on our own track. Yeah, stay in your this lane, my put journey. your on, and do your right. work. This yeah. is my journey in this lifetime. Don't worry about this person and that person. Take the good of those people, learn from them, copy what they do right, make a composite of many people, because no one person has... Like you may say, I love the career of this woman, but I love the, the children of this woman. And I love the family life of this woman. You don't get it all from one person. None of us is perfect. We're screwed up. Yeah. We have parts of us that are evolved and parts of us that are very base. Yeah. Well, you know what? I always say you can't run your race looking to the side, right? If you're looking left and right, how can you run your race? You can't, you know, you need to keep your blinders out. I give you the, you so tell me, tell me something. Well, you mentioned some tragedies, but I'm, I'm, you, you can tell us if you want to tell us. But what does it mean to be self-made? To me, what it means, I mean, obviously, the connotation of self-made has to do with entrepreneurship and money. That in order to make it to the end of your life, you're going to have to DIY yourself from the inside out. Make yourself over, over and over and over again, you, which means you have to grow and evolve. And you have to pivot to use a tech term. You cannot stay stagnant or you will die many deaths in your life. You have to take the horrors that show up and tell yourself, I'm going to take myself to a higher place this time. 
and you don't believe it, you even don't believe it. You go, I can't, I can't get past this thing. I can only imagine, I think the worst thing that could happen to someone is that their child dies. I just can't even imagine. But even that, you know, you have to take your pain and turn it into profit. Turn it into your calling. Turn it into the thing that you make money on because you're an expert at it. Instead of drown and die from it. Yes. Or you are going to be, and I see a lot of people like that that are the walking dead. Yeah. They're not lit. They're they're like, right? Yeah, they are. They're, They're the walking dead. And you know what? The other thing is I tell a lot, like my son and I have a lot of talks and I have a very young staff and I say to them, look at me. I'm in my fifties. I still work like a freaking dog. (laughs) It doesn't get easier. I have mastered many things. I have overcome many things. Every day I get a new thing to master, a new thing to overcome, a new thing to grow. You know, this whole social media thing for me is like, I'm like, you know, oh my God, uh I can't deal with it. And my son's like, Mom, you suck at social media. And he's like, you got to figure it out. And so I've had, there are many things that show up that I'm like, I don't want to do this. I'm done. Yes. But you know what? You have to be committed to grow by any means necessary till you die. Yeah. And sometimes because we you know grow what? even when we don't What's want the alternative? What is the alternative? Are we going to wait? Like when, when I say to women, like I, as you can see, have cultivated my voice and I talk and I, and I, and I complain and I, and a lot of people, like a lot of my Latinas or, you know, my ethnic women are very quiet. And, and I tell people it's because we come from countries where if you spoke up, you'd disappear, yes. you know, you'd end up in some political prison or something. Yes. But I feel like if I am in this country, what am I going to wait to be in the grave, to have a voice? No. I'm going to be in the grave soon. We blink and our lives are over. No, Nellie, I, I love that you say, because I've watched all your clips and different things. I love when you said this country is built on voices. I had never heard that before. I thought that was so cool. Why is it important for us all, Latinas especially, to use and, and to find your voice? You say that finding your voice can even be like a lifetime journey. That's right. Because we're not, we don't come out of the womb with a voice. It's like saying, if you're a singer, just to give you an analogy, if you're a singer and you go and sing all the time from the time you're little, you sound like a karaoke person, right? You're, you're covering other people and you, you start off by sounding like Mariah Carey, or trying to sound like this one or that one. And then you're not going to get a record deal if you don't find your voice, your unique voice. And for me, that I came from a communist regime. And then my parents came here and they were very scared because they were, you know, the last couple of years we were in Cuba, they thought, oh my God, we're going to go to jail, blah, 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 this and that. Um, I had to find my voice. And, And I tell women, the easiest way to find your voice is to go take an acting class or a public speaking class. And it's a great way to find a boyfriend or a girlfriend, not a wife or a husband. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. And because for me, you know, I'm a big fan of Shonda Rhimes Mm -hmm. and she, you know, wrote Olivia Pope. And I always say, if you find a character in a movie or in a TV show that you go, I wish I could talk like her and be snappy and, you know, uh, yeah. Okay. Go get a script and start reading like her and start feeling comfortable, even pretending to be her. And again, at first you're going to sound like karaoke. You're going to sound like, 
Oh, I sound like Olivia Pope. And for me, that's what happened. I think that I studied the voice of other people. I studied older Jewish men. <laughs> I grew up in Why Teaneck, older Jewish men? Well, because I grew up in Teaneck, New Jersey, and all my neighbors, it was a very Jewish town. And all my girlfriends were like Jewish girls that went to all-girl Catholic school with me. And their dads were like, remember, we lived on the other side. It's like New Jersey on the other side of Manhattan. And all the dads were like editors for the New York Times or this or that. or that. And they were very empowered. And they'd be like, hey, blah, 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 blah. And I'd be like, I just love the way they talk. <laughs> and I would, I mean, I think to myself, you know, I've raised a lot of money in my life. And I think that if I was going to raise money in the voice of an immigrant Latina, I wouldn't have raised five pennies. But I would hear these men say, hey, I'm stocked. And if you don't buy it, you're going to miss the boat. And I'd be like, hey, I want this money. If you're not going to get it, somebody else is going to get it. And, and I started putting my own spin on it. Right. And it would work. And I'd go, hell, this works. You, you challenge your inner Jewish man. That's right. So it can be whoever that muse is for you. That's why when, you know, I, when I do my, my, my speeches and myself, I really do channel. I have a lot of friends like Sandra Cisneros, who's our Maya Angelou in the Latino world. She's one of my best friends. And I channel her a lot because I find that there is a lot of insight in being an entrepreneur through artists in a weird way, because artists have a way of finding the, you know, the style of writing or the way that they paint. You see a lot of people like, at least in our, in, in our cultures, in multicultural cultures, you might find a black man or woman or a Latina man that sound really white. I want to be authentic to my Latina-ness and yet be a mainstream person. Right. Be someone that can be understood and heard by everyone. Right. And so those are things that we cultivate. Again, you don't just you're not 10 years old and know how to figure all this out. That journey of finding your voice is such a joyful one. It really is. Because when you find it and when you see that you write something and you go, wow, that's like, I wrote a book. And when the editor took a pass at the book, I go, this sounds like a white girl from 1950. It doesn't sound- <laughs> You're taking all my, all my voice out of it. Yeah. It doesn't sound like a Latina that is Latina, but yet mainstream. So I had to go back and yeah. take all of her. She had like taken out my. She sauce. took out your voice. She took yeah. your voice out. Yeah. And, yeah. and and the reason I knew it is because my voice is very clear to me. Yeah. It is. Right. I'm really grounded in my voice. You know, it's funny. I have my, one of my things I say on this podcast, Nellie, and you are speaking my language is I always say women are not born warriors. We become them. So by the same token, it's just like finding your voice. I love the way you said that. Tell me, you say you can be louder and braver. Tell me what that means. Well, I think that we all, you know, we really diminish ourselves. When I was producing TV shows, I would go casting uh, and I would do, let's say, just to give you an example, a cooking show kind of like, you know, master chef or one of those kind of shows. And I was finding, you know, people that are wannabe chefs and I'd go cast and all the men that never really worked in a restaurant or anything, I'd say, well, what is it that you do? I'm a chef. And I'd go to women and say, what do you do? Oh, I kind of, people say I cook well, but I, you know, 
very diminishing the title. They wouldn't claim it. No. Mm. And I'd say, sweetie, if you don't tell me you're a chef, I can't cast you in the show. You have, if you don't, power is taken, not given. Choose yourself so I can choose you. You know, to me, louder and braver is about choosing yourself, right? It's like, what are we, again, what are we waiting for to be loud in the grave? Time is ticking. When are you going to speak your truth? When are you going to choose yourself? When are you going to say, I'm good at this and I deserve this? Here, I, I show up at an event and I raise my hand. I am so-and-so. This is what I do. Blah, blah, blah. Because if you don't do that, you are not. You know, I don't think, again, another thing we take for granted. I think everybody should go to India where there's billions of people. And people fight to be seen because there's so many people. We are in a moment with social media that good luck being seen. And if you don't have, if you don't declare yourself, if you don't know who you are and ask for things, no one's coming on a silver platter and going to give them to you. Hundred percent, hundred percent. Yeah, I don't know what we're so, waiting for. What are we waiting for? Louder. And I, when I say louder, I don't mean loud like me because I know I'm a beast. You know, I say to I say to sometimes Latinas who sometimes, you know, maybe somebody says something really racist in front of them or whatever. And they're like, but we can't, we can't speak up like a black woman. We don't do that. And I go, okay, so let me tell you how to do it. If somebody says something really horrible in front of you and you just take it, it's eating up your self-esteem because that means you believe what they say. So maybe you don't say what I would say, which is like, excuse me, I'm a real loud, loud. (laughs) I said, but you can say, I'm sorry. What did you just say? What you just said, it was like, you stabbed me in the heart 50 times. And that person's going to go, oh my God, I'm so sorry. Sometimes a slap is better told quietly Mm -hmm. in a vulnerable way. And that's being loud as well. Yeah, I've, I've heard a lot of people say when someone makes a racist joke or a sexist joke, the first thing you should do is say, I'm sorry, what did you say? Can you repeat that? Because when you make someone repeat that thing, they just meant to kind of off color, say to the side, it holds them accountable. And, or you say, what did you mean by that? That's what right. did you mean when you said women can't do anything? What did you mean? Can you explain that? Mm-hmm. People don't like that. People don't want to have to explain it. They just want to kind of blurt it out and leave it there and stab you with it, but they don't want to really take ownership of it. So when you ask them to repeat it or explain it, they're like, oh, they don't like that. So that's very true. Um, Tell me, I mean, you have been helping women. You've had such an incredible life in your 50 something years. You look about 30, so I can't even believe it. Tell me, what is the biggest lesson? What is the biggest lesson that you've had personally or professionally that really keeps you going, Nellie? Because you're kind of one of those people, you know? You're one of those people that's out there for us. So that when we are feeling like we cannot go on, we go, oh, let me let me go read what Nellie said. Let me go hear what Nellie said. Oh, you know what? I'm going to listen to Nellie's podcast again because I'm going to go crazy. I want to remember what she said. How do you keep yourself going? What are the lessons that have kind of brought you so you can keep doing this work? Well, you know, listen, my life has not been a walk in the park either. And I have lots of regrets. I mean, like I would say, I should say that first because... I don't want everybody to think that I just figured it all out. I didn't. I mean, you know, I, I definitely focus on my career more than my personal life. 
I definitely kissed a lot of frogs and chose men that were inappropriate for me in so many ways and chose men that were projects that needed fixing. But I mean, severe fixing, not just yeah. <laughs> a little bit. Yeah, major fixer-uppers. Uh, and, you know, hence why I went back to school and got a doctorate in psychology. I think I was really trying to heal myself, which I, I think I really it really helped me. And I do regret, I have to say, that I didn't have more children. You know, I have a son who's 20. I think he's the greatest thing that ever happened to me. He's my little Buddha. You know, he keeps me grounded. And, and like, he's actually made me be more successful because I see everything through his eyes. And I want to be better for him. And it's kept me very, uh, even more disciplined, even more organized, even more orderly. But I wish I had had more kids because when he left home, I was devastated. Mm. And, you know, I, so I want, and I tell a lot of young women, you know, I tell people that work with me that are young, I go, don't do what I did. Don't let years pass. Put the kid thing. That's important. I, I would say the kid thing is even more important than the mate thing, honestly. Because mates, not for every, not everyone finds the love of their life or the perfect mate for a lifetime. That's also like a little bit fantasy, you know? Um, so I, I, that's a part of my life that I wish I had mastered earlier, but so be it. But I think what keeps me going is, you know, I am an immigrant. I am grateful. I am grateful for this country. I am grateful for what I'm given. I'm grateful for the opportunities I have. I am not going to waste all the sacrifice my parents made, all the suffering they went through to get me here. I'm not going to waste it and not crush it. I'm not. You know, I just saw this documentary. It made me cry so much. Lin-Manuel Miranda's father. There's a documentary on HBO called Luis Miranda about his dad. And I was like, why is his dad in a documentary? Yeah. <laughs> and I, I, literally I could cry talking about it. It showed his journey from Puerto Rico to New York, all the obstacles, all the bad things that happened to him so that he could have this kid that's a genius mm-hmm. who was messed up because he was an artsy fartsy genius. That no, he didn't know where he fit in. Yeah, yeah. ADD, this and that. And the father was like, no. And the father, through his little connections, you know, helping politicians in New York and this and that in his own way, got him into the White House to do a reading of Hamilton. Which got him funded. And and, and you realize, I'm like, it makes me cry. How many parents don't get to realize their dreams, but make it so that their children, if the children are smart, don't waste it. Don't waste all the legacy of your parents and grandparents. You know, I think about my grandparents in Spain at the turn of the last century, in the middle of a war, the Spanish-American War, go to Cuba and, 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 and just, they were given a piece of land to go to Cuba, start all over again. And then my parents had to start all over again. And you mean to tell me I'm not gonna take advantage of all that sacrifice and not just do it for myself, but do it for other people because you know, in that sense, I'm very like, that's why my Jewish men that I, that I, they're, my, they're like, you know, in Judaism, they say you have to leave the world a better place. And I believe that. Yeah. Well, you are, a, you are an amazing reminder that you don't want to forget the history and what's come before and that you have to keep going. I, I really, I love everything you just said. 
All right, we're going to the speed round, Nellie. Now it's okay. like you and me having a good time. Okay. Okay. What is your cocktail of choice, Nellie? <laughs> You're not gonna like it. I'm gonna love Coca-Cola. it. I know I am. Coca Cola. <laughs> you know what I? You know what? I'll, let me tell you something right now. A high octane Coca Cola is the secret to life. I'm telling Mexican you, Coke. people. Mexican, a Mexican Coke. Coke is the yeah. secret to life. I used to have one before every meeting and it would get me going. So I am with you on that hundred percent. But you're the only one that's ever said that though. And I love it. Okay. What is the mantra or quote you live by? You probably have 12, but which mantra or quote do you live by or several quotes? Well, I'm going to say that the quote that I say that people relate to the most, even though I don't think women hear this often. And that is the title of my next book is don't buy shoes. Buy buildings. Tell because me about this, Nellie. What do you mean by that? Women spend their life acquiring things that are worth nothing instead mm-hmm. of having a goal. I'm going to own a building. I'm going to own my house and pay it off. I'm going to own assets that are going to appreciate over 20 years and make me rich and make money while I sleep. And so my next book is about, I, I have made five times the money in real estate that in my TV life. And I learned that from my Jewish bosses that you don't buy shoes, you buy buildings. You have a plan for your life that's big and you make sacrifices, not suffering, sacrifices, in putting money away, investing money in assets that make you money while you sleep. It's I that this. parallel track, mission and money. You know what? You need to make that don't buy buildings, buy shoes into a little poster that I can put on this wall right here so I can remind everybody because that is a really good point. Because you know what? You add up all those shoes and it does add up to a damn building if you're buying the ones. Remember Sex in the City? Yes! She was Carrie so couldn't buy herself. the apartment. She, she, couldn't couldn't, she couldn't buy that apartment because she bought all those damn shoes. She had all the Manolos in the world. Yes, I know. You're right. Okay, what simple thing do you do for yourself? Like a self-care tip you can share with us because we are just all some tired women. I meditate a lot. I learned to do it. I went on silent meditation retreats, which for somebody who talks as much as I do was hell. That sounds I, terrible. I really learned to quiet down because I think you can only, only you can tell yourself the truth, the real truth. And I also, on a fun note, I go to spas a lot. I'm a spa chick. I love it. I love spas. I meditation retreat. I don't know if I can do it because I'm like you. I talk too much. What makes you feel unstoppable? I mean, I feel unstoppable every day of my life. So waking up at five in the morning every day makes me feel unstoppable. I think waking up early is my secret sauce. I think when I look at very successful people, and I used to not, I used to be a night person. I realized at some point that very successful people do their best work in the morning. And I wrote my book at five o'clock in the morning. And so I wake up at five o'clock in the morning every day and I wake up like gangbusters, ready to go. I love it. And I love that you have an old enough son that you can actually do something at that time because some of these parents are waking up at four in the morning so they can just have five seconds without their children, which I really, I do it too, ladies. So I'm with you. I wake up early. Who do you most admire? Mm, that's a tough one. I can't say that I admire one person, because I told you I admire different things of different people. I guess if I'm going to say the the woman that, you know, right now, the, the women that I'm admiring now are women in their 80s, because 
I feel like you always have to project yourself forward, right? And I look at Gloria Steinem. Oh, she's and who she's, Forget who she was, who she's grown up to be in her 80s. She's beautiful, first of all. She just is beautiful, naturally beautiful, and she glows from within. But that she has stayed on course. Uh, so I love her career and her mission and her serenity. I love Dolores Huerta, which I don't know if a lot of people know who she is, but she is kind of our Gloria Steinem who fought for the farm workers. I love that she's 90 years old. I just did her 90-year interview. And it was such an honor because, first of all, she's also beautiful. And she is a fighter and a warrior at 90. I love Rita Moreno because I I love that Rita. She is so energetic and I love her body and how she's taking care of herself. And again, another woman that looks beautiful in old age, raised a beautiful daughter, has had a very saucy life and Mm -hmm. is very transparent. I love Susie Orman. I think Susie Orman is the real deal. She really helps women. She's congruent. I feel like I learned everything growing up that I knew about money from Susie Orman. And I'm so proud that she wrote the, op- the opening to my book. And I just, I'm, I'm such a fan of hers. I love, uh, <laughs> I'm sorry. Who's the, the other one you said that's like the Maya Angelou, but up for- uh, Sandra Cisneros. How do, I, how, do I, how do I Sandra, Sandra, in fact, I'm doing an incredible talk with her this Thursday okay. on how to be light in, in an era of darkness. Uh, Sandra, S-A-N-D-R-A, Cisneros, C-I-S-N-E-R-O-S. Okay. Um, she is, you know, she's my spiritual, I would say, go-to. And you know who else I love? Just on a light note, I love, I'm obsessed with Norma Kamali. That's so uh, funny. I haven't thought about Norma Kamali in years. Norma Kamali is a freaking ace. She's still running her company. She's 75. She's oh super holistic. She looks like a million dollars. She is constantly inventing new things. I just, I mean, I, I'm floored by her. And I'm also floored by Vera Wang, yes. who's in her 70s yep. and looks like a teenager and still is like fun and funny and I look at those women and I go, and then I have to say, I'm floored by this woman named Christine Downey, who was my Freud professor in psychology school, who was 82 years old, had the energy of a 30 year old and was writing, started, went back to school at 50, became the expert in the world on Sigmund Freud and has written eight books. And she tours the world in her expertise. I mean, I love it. It's just showing you that aging is so different now, right? We're really taking things on. It's almost like things begin at 50. It is. Right? It's like that's our starting line now and where we're going. You also have enough wisdom and groundedness. Like, you know, there's a great word. I don't know if you know this word, a crone, which Mm -hmm. is like a crone is like a woman elder in society. Oh. And I love that word because... Like, I think that's something for me, I aspire to be a crone, you know, to be like the wise woman in, in my community and my, you know, that, 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 you know, that when, when you talk to that person, you can count on that person. I think, you know, we, we have gone so far away from that where you almost look at older people, especially men and you go, they're babies. They're like little kids. Yeah. I want, I love people that I feel are grounded. Yes. In the earth. Yes, yes, yes. 
Tell me, Nelly, what is exciting you the most right now? Well, I'm, I have many plans for becomingselfmade.com. I mean, just so everybody that's listening, I do free webinars and free content for all of you. I teach you exactly point by point, blow by blow how I did it. I'm going to learn everything from you. Everything. So, I mean, if I could, I could retire at 45, not that I did or I will, but I could. And I had zero money, zero contacts, was an intern, an assistant, worked my way up. I always say I'm a turtle. I didn't do anything fast. Um, And if I bought my first property at 31 with $5,000 down, and by 45, I had 16 buildings as a parallel track to my career. If I could do that, and I'm not J-Lo, Beyonce, or a professional athlete, and at 45, I could retire. What is everyone else's problem? Watch my videos. I'm going to so watch. I want to do more of that. I mean, I want to, I really, for the rest of my life, want to help women wealth build. Yeah. That's what I want to do. Well, but I'm, what also I'm excites excited. me is that in a bad economy, which we will be in next year, there will be great opportunities and there will be moments that all of us can really quadruple everything we lost. Well, this is the time to maybe, I think, Nelly, get in with you, start watching, start preparing, and start learning so that we can make most of these next couple of years and we can build our wealth like you and be self-made like and you. Be self-made. Be self-made. And please, you guys, follow me at Nelly Galan on Instagram because I am so bad, <laughs> and yet I'm doing a lot of content on Instagram, on LinkedIn. Yes, you are. On Facebook. I'm trying because my, and again, this is my staff telling me, tell the stories of when you were young and how you did this and how you did that. And I'm really trying to do that on social media as well. And I just really want, I want to help other women. That's what I want to do. Well, thank you so much, Nelly. Thank you for everything you taught. We talked about today. I'm so inspired. I'm for sure going to be watching all of your stuff. I plan to learn and do and literally do everything you tell me to do. So I am really, really excited. So thank you so much for coming on the oh, show. Thank today. you. And you look so beautiful with your pink. Oh, I'm, I'm rocking my pink over here. I'm looking <laughs> like hell with my with my spot removal. No, you are not. You, you are gorgeous. Oh my gosh. Thank you everyone for joining me today. Remember to subscribe on iTunes. Google Play or Spotify. And if you enjoyed the show, leave us a positive review. This is the Conversations with Warrior Women podcast with me, Liz Swadek. And remember, every woman has a story. You just have to ask her. Right, Nellie? Yeah, absolutely. Listen to every woman's story. Yes. Bye now.